Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 101, where in a moment, we take a look at reviewing your policy when outgoings soar. That's in the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we've got an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we've featured loads of stuff, pensions, investing, wills and powers of attorney, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we kind of did a best of and recapped our favourite and most useful moments from episodes 1 through 99 so far. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay, if ever there was a time to be doing this subject, it's now. The the cost of living, soaring, inflation, food shortages, energy price hikes, to goodness knows what. We all look at this and think, okay, how do we try and stay afloat? What can we jettison? It's the hot air balloon analogy, isn't it? Mind you, if it's gas powering the hot air balloon, we probably can't afford to take off in the first place. I don't mean to be flipping here, Phil. It, it's sort of my, my go-to survival mode to turn into a complete idiot. But this is affecting all of us, isn't it? I mean, everyone. So people look at what they can live without to try and rejig income. And that's where things can go wrong, is it? What do they end up chucking first? Yeah, the minute, I mean, it's, it's some time just now. I mean, I, I've not seen anything like it myself before. I mean, inflation is really high. We're, we're seeing gas and energy prices soaring. It costs a lot more to fill up your car at the, the petrol station. It just seems like everything is is going up in, in price at the moment. Food prices going up. It's, it's some time just now. But I, I thought this would be a good podcast to do because quite often when people's outgoings go up, they have to make sacrifices. And, and quite often, they end up maybe cancelling policies that they've got. So I thought it'd be a good show to do. We can cover numerous di- different things today. But you were asking there about what's often the first thing that, that goes. And what I've tended to find over the years is when times are tough, the first thing that often goes is someone's life insurance or protection cover. So things like life cover, critical illness cover, income protection, that often tends to be the sort of things that people will maybe ditch first. And I think part of that is because they maybe don't understand exactly what they've got. Part of it is just that they, they maybe think, right, I need to make cutbacks somewhere. Where am I, I going to do it? And I, I've done it myself previously as well. I mean, I remember many years ago, I worked in the, the Skipton Building Society. At that point in time, I was on a wage of £9,500 a year. Wow. I think the average, the average wage then was probably low 20s, mid 20s, maybe at the highest. But I, I was on a wage, nine and a half grand a year. And I remember I was paying out, when I took out a mortgage, I took out life insurance, critical illness cover, income protection, buildings and contents insurance. I covered everything. And and the only one out of all of that, after maybe about six months in the property, I was thinking, I'm skint. I've never got any spare cash. And I think I kept the buildings insurance because I had to, 
but the rest of the policies all got ditched. Yeah. I, I couldn't afford it. So I, I know what it's like myself. I've been in that position personally, but that's often the, the thing that goes first is things like life insurance, critical illness cover or, or income protection. Yeah, it is easy to see why, as you say. I mean, life insurance is probably a tough enough sale to make to the younger end of the market at the best of times because the younger you are, generally speaking, the harder it is to envisage a time where you're going to be struggling with your health. If you take out a policy and then start to struggle paying the bills, it is probably one of the first things that people look at. So why is it a bad thing, Phil? I think for me, I always think having some cover is better than than nothing at all. If you cancel policies like that, if your health deteriorates or changes in the future, you might not be able to get covered at the same price, or it's possible that insurers won't cover you at all. I mean, certainly the, the younger you are, the less likely you are to be making claims on things like life insurance. But I mean, I, I know young folk that have been diagnosed with cancer, that have had time off work. So so these things happen. So again, it, it is important to review exactly what you've got, why you've got them is, is always good as, as well. I mean, people take plans out and then they forget why they had it. So it's, it's good just to revisit that and think, right, what have I got? Why have I got this? But it's good just to, to keep reviewing things as well because I know at times, sometimes something has to go, but these sort of things, I mean, they, they often say that protection, these sort of policies are the cornerstone of a financial plan. And I know years and years ago when I did my financial planning exams, all the early chapters are about, in the books, they're all about protection and and protecting yourself. So it is really the the sort of cornerstone of financial planning. But sadly, it is the things that, that people often give up first when times are a bit more difficult. So if possible, Phil, can you negotiate down your cover so you can pay less but but keep some? I mean, is that is that a valid approach? And if so, is it a recommended one? Yeah, I mean, some some providers, they, they'll offer what's called a career break. And with this, you can pause your premiums on the, the policies. And a career break, it's like a, a temporary pause both in the cover and the premiums. And you can normally do this for anything between six months to two years. And although it's called a career break, generally insurers, they don't actually insist that you've got to have stopped work to exercise this option. So it really depends on what your insurer can offer. So I would say it's a good time to to check with your financial advisor or contact your insurer just to to see what options you have, if that's something that, that they've got available to you. And like I said just a few moments ago, some protection is better than nothing. And that's the same with pensions. Sometimes saving something is is better than than nothing as well. But even if you've got some cover, at least if if you ever made a claim, at least you've got something there to to kind of fall back on. Mm. Are insurers becoming especially receptive to this sort of request? Just now, given it's going to be, you know, a common one, I would have thought, if not already, they'll have to adapt as well, surely. And while it might not be their you know, preferred scenario, surely some money as opposed to no money coming into them and a load of completely cancelled policies, it's got to be preferable for them as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of what's called menu plans available these days for for protection policies, and they're an awful lot more flexible than what the policies used to be like years ago. Years ago, it used to be that once you set a policy up, it was often very difficult to, to change it. So, Insurers are a lot more flexible with, with that sort of thing these days. I mean, we, we did see as well during COVID, I mean, mortgage lenders were, were really quick off the mark. They would often offer like payment holidays and things, and they, they had that option. But unfortunately, that hasn't really caught on the same 
in the, the sort of protection or, or insurance world. One thing, I mean, career breaks are are more likely to be offered on income protection than than as opposed to life insurance or critical illness cover. But it is, it's a good time to sit down with your advisor and just kind of review your policies, see what you've got, why you've got them. And not, not so much do you still need things, but really good opportunity to see, well, what's most important to me? If I'm going to get rid of something, am I better getting rid of this one or that one or try to keep something so good good time to sit down and review things just now we've delved into this kind of thing a little bit before Uh, when you look at what's going out every month in an effort to cut back in one place to extend the spend in another the obvious place to look first i suppose is is with the biggest outgoings because if you can just stop one of those for a bit it might be all you need and you can save cutting back on sort of eight other things i would imagine when most people look for for what takes up that spend they'll find it's their rent or their mortgage and there are ways of putting your mortgage on hold for a bit, aren't there? I mean, we, we've done shows on this, but again, from memory, if you want to avoid it for a bit, you you can. So explain the, the scenarios for me, Pilt. Yeah, some some lenders have, have got the option where you can take a payment holiday. So they, they will allow you to maybe miss so many payments. What, what happens there, though, is the money that you've maybe missed, that gets added on to the debt. So... At some point in time, your payments are going to go up to, to reflect that money that, that wasn't paid in. So that, that's an option with, with some lenders. Some lenders, I, I remember Virgin Money, they had an option. Once you'd made, I think it was 10 monthly payments, they allowed you to miss up to the next two, I think, thereafter. So different lenders have got different criteria for that. But what I would say when it comes to mortgages at the moment, it's a really it's a really good time to review a mortgage if you've got one at the moment. Interest rates have been rising. We've seen the, the Bank of England base rate last month went up by half a percent. They think that it may go up again in, in the near future. So, so, I mean, it's a good time to review your mortgage. So some lenders will offer payment holidays if you're struggling. And it's good to look at what options are available. We, we did a whole show Previously, I mean, if, if you're struggling with, with paying your mortgage just now, episode 84 we did, it was called Problems Paying Your Mortgage. So that's quite a good one for, for anybody that's maybe struggling to pay their, their mortgage just now. We also did a show, episode 77, it was called Five Ways to Cut Your Mortgage Payment. So we've actually got a couple of shows dedicated to that whole topics, which may be worth a, a listen to anybody that, that's looking to review that just now. But we, we're finding with interest rates rising, a lot of people, they're seeing their payments rise when they come to the end of, say, like a fixed rate period, we're seeing their payments rise sometimes quite substantially in, in that instance. So it's good to keep in regular contact with your mortgage broker, really to make sure that you're getting the best deal that's available for your current circumstances. And sometimes that'll be maybe remortgaging a new lender. Sometimes it's getting a better deal from your existing lender. But what we are finding over the last few years, interest rates had been low. So people, a lot of folk were on low, cheap fixed rate mortgages. A lot of that mortgages are now starting to come to an end and people are seeing their payments rising quite significantly at the mm. moment. I'm I'm kind of in that, in that camp in so much as a fixed rate period ended for, for my mortgage. And I think I automatically went up something like £100 per month, which, you know, is not to be sniffed at. It's £1,200 a year at the end of the day. But the other thing that I've noticed with it, Phil, is they, they used to say to you, you know, your fixed rate mortgage period is coming to an end. You may want to review this now. And there would be maybe in days gone past, you might have like, I don't know, maybe a month 
or a couple of months to look at that. I got a letter and then it seemed like the following week, here I am paying more in my mortgage. I don't know if they've closed that window slightly, but it certainly seemed it with me. Going back to this, you can pause your mortgage, maybe arrange to restructure it so it's cheaper monthly, but over a longer period maybe. I imagine you you might be able to do the same thing with, with debt as well. So again, you know, extend the time frame of the repayment if, if time's on your side or move the debt onto your mortgage so it can all become one payment instead of more than that. Am I along the right lines here, Phil? Yeah, we're seeing that a lot at the moment. A lot of people looking to consolidate debts just now. Um, for some people, they'll do that through their mortgage. So they may look at things like a further advance on their mortgage. They, they might look at things like secured loans or remortgaging. So we're seeing more of that at the moment. Seeing people applying for, for maybe loans, personal loans to, to pay off credit cards. I mean, it, it is possible sometimes to, to consolidate debts in your mortgage, but you've always got to bear in mind the longer you're paying a debt for, invariably, the more interest you'll pay over the, the long run doing that. But we, we've seen demand for things like secured loans going up quite a bit. They're sometimes called second charge loans. That's ones where it's secured against your, your property. So if you fail to pay that one, your home could be at risk as well, which is a, another thing. You, you'd mentioned there about yourself, John. If you're coming to the end of a mortgage deal, some lenders will actually allow you to lock in a new deal as much as up to about six months before. So again, it's good to stay in touch with, with a mortgage broker because they'll keep you right with, with that. I mean, they think the interest rates are going to be rising over the next wee while. So if someone can secure a deal now, rather than say wait until the end of the year, they're going to be better off or likely to be better off doing that at the moment. Mm. It occurs to me as well, Phil, that, that maybe your pension is something you, you could stop paying for a bit if it helps the overall position, can you? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's another way of, of trying to save cash or, or have more uh, money in your pocket and less outgoings just now. If, if you're employed, you'll be in what's called an auto-enrollment pension through your employer. Now, with, with auto-enrollment, you pay something in and your employer would, would pay something in. Now, it's funny because I was actually reading this morning, there was an email that came through. It mentioned that there was a study by a company called Barnett Waddingham. They look after a lot of company pension schemes, and their research found that 1 million people in the UK with a workplace pension are planning to reduce their contributions to cope with the rise in living costs just now. So I mean, that's a heck of a lot of folk mm. that are, are looking at either stopping paying in a pension or looking to try and reduce what they're paying in. And if you stop paying in, it's also then likely that your employer will stop paying in as well. If, if you do opt out of an auto-enrollment or workplace pension, your employer, they've got to auto-enroll you back in every three years. So it would be, it, it used to be in the past that folk would maybe opt out of the work scheme and then that was them out of it. But that, that is one good thing that employers have to enroll you back in every three years. And it may be at that point that you might opt out of it again. But if you do opt out of your pension, you've also got to bear in mind that, yeah, it might save you a bit of cash now, but that's going to have consequences to what you get in your retirement income somewhere down the line. So it's not ideal opting out of your pension or stopping contributions. However, at the moment, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are struggling and they need to get extra money to get by. So that is an option for, for some to look at doing that. And another thing that I'm finding at the moment at work is our guys, our financial advisors, they're getting a lot more inquiries. People over the age of 55 have got access to 
some of their pension pots. If you've got a personal pension or a workplace pension and you're over the age of 55, it is possible that you can draw money out of it. You can usually take up to 25% as a tax-free lump sum. You can take more, but it's taxable. So we're, we're finding more and more people are looking to access their pension pots. But again, you've also got to bear in mind that that'll impact on what your retirement income is going to be. And, and not only that, you have to watch if you take more than your tax-free cash out, that can also reduce how much you can pay back into pensions if you're still looking to accumulate your pots as well. So a lot of factors to, to take into account there. Mm, absolutely. I, okay, a couple of other things. First, I, I don't think I've ever heard you advise against doing this at any point yet. I doubt I ever will. You mentioned a, a few times in the course of this show, but with all the churn going on, now's a good time to get a financial advisor, right? To give everything that you have the once over to see, maybe if you're paying somewhere too much or or where you don't need to be, for instance. I, I always, I'm a great advocate. I always think having regular financial reviews is important. And if you look at the government, they do a budget every year and then they also do various statements as well to kind of back that up. So it, it's always good to review other things as well. So things like car insurance, house insurance. I mean, for a lot of people, that'll be something they'll, they'll look at every year. And it's easy to be complacent with these things and just go with who you were with. I mean, I, I've just changed my, my home insurance and Jeepers, if I renewed with my existing provider, because I'd made a couple of claims, the, the premium with them was just going to be astronomical. So shopped around a bit and managed to save quite quite a bit on the, the home insurance. But one thing as well to bear in mind, it, it is easy to try and cut costs and sometimes say, right, I'll go for something that's got a cheaper premium. But sometimes cutting the premiums can also mean that you've maybe less cover. And sometimes that's not always necessarily going to be a, a good thing as well. So it is always important to sit down and review your finances, whether that be with a financial advisor or if it's mortgages, it might be through a, a mortgage broker. But it's always good to budget, do look at your ins and outs, see what you're paying out review all your different policies. So I, I am a great advocate in people taking financial advice, but taking ongoing financial advice mm. as well. Just as a sidebar here, Phil, you mentioned there that you managed to get a, a good deal in your home insurance because your existing provider, you, you'd had a couple of claims with them. Just as a, a sidebar, when you move from one insurer or one insuring firm to another, is the first that, you know, your previous one, are they compelled to provide evidence of what you've claimed to the next or do the, does the next one take it on blind? No, they'll, I mean, one, one of the questions they asked was any claims ah, that, okay. that have been made. If you don't fill that in properly, so if I was to lie and turn around and say, no, I've not had any claims, yeah. if I then make a claim in the future and they find that out, see, all, all the companies will share information. Okay. They, they do that for fraud prevention. So although there's data protection rules that save people being able to get your details and stuff, they will share it for that sort of mm. purposes. So you, you could invalidate a claim if, if you were telling lies on, on things like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we know that people can be unlucky, Mr. Anderson, but this is the 15th time your cooker's exploded <laughs> in the last fortnight, yeah. Now, you know what, the... make, making a claim, I, I made a couple of claims. We, we had two storms last year. That's right. Claimed twice for freezer contents. And, you know, I probably, I, I thought, well, we've got that insurance. We've get got a couple of hundred quid each time for it. But jeepers, I'm paying for it now because my, my premium's <laughs> gone up for yeah. something like 300, 350 pound up to like 550 or something. So it's fairly, fairly shot up because of that yeah. claims. When you when you review things, Phil, whether it's you taking it into account yourself or whether it's with a, a financial advisor, as you say, there are always things, you've told me this before, you've had customers come in and they're paying for stuff 
and they don't actually know that it's coming off their account. They've, they've just, you know, they don't pay attention to it. And it might yeah. be a policy that's ended or something that's no longer valid for them or whatever. There are always things which you pay because you've forgotten them, right? Yeah, it's great to go through all your direct debits and, and see what you've got. I, I've given examples before. I, I remember somebody had mobile phone insurance for a phone that they hadn't had for about <laughs> 10 years. It was crazy. I've seen somebody pay two buildings insurance policies they didn't realise. I've seen folk maybe have a protection plan in place that was for an old mortgage. They always just kept that going and they've maybe taken out new cover, so they're maybe duplicating it. So that, that would be a good instance where a protection policy could could be reviewed. And, and you might think, well, why have I got this? It's good to, to look at that. But I, I had it myself. I mean, I, I used to pay for, for Amazon Music, but I cancelled that because I also have a Spotify subscription. Mm-hmm. And I thought there's no point having both. Other ways people can save money, they can cut down if they've got maybe Sky TV, they might think, right, I'll reduce the, the package on there. But it's really good to review your outgoings. Another one for me just now, I mean, I'm paying Aberdeenshire Council so much each month. See, I, get, I should really know exactly how much it is, but I, I pay them by direct debit so I can go swimming at any time. Now, I haven't swam for over a month. I will get back into it again, so I'm not going to cancel that one. But really, I, I could have cancelled that, saved myself. 25, 30 quid, and then started it up again. So it is really good to, to review all your, your direct debits, what you've got coming in, what you've got going out, and always a good time to, to sit down and review things. Okay, uh, so is there a kind of hit list for, for you know what we should do in, in what order or whatever else, when we should do it and, and how long we do it for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to, to review things regularly. I mean, I, I'd say to people, it's like, look, you should really sit down at least annually and have a look at what you've got coming in and, and what you've got going out. We, we also did a, a good podcast way back, episode 17, and um, that was how to save money on your bills. And although that was one of the early ones we recorded, probably about a year and a half yeah. ago, probably maybe even longer than that, but you'll find a lot of that is still fairly relevant today. I mean, at the moment, it's harder to get a good deal on things like your gas and, and electricity, but that podcast will still be pretty relevant, a lot of the things that that's in it. So that was episode 17, How to Save Money on Your Bills. Okay, now here's a bit in the show where we look at Phil's own life story and ask if there's been a situation that you've dealt with, either as a, a professional advisor or you know, in your own personal experience where you've learned something valuable about a subject matter, which this week is reviewing your policies when your outgoings soar. I mean, I, I review things fairly regularly for, for myself and I, I know it's easy to become complacent with, with things, but when, when times are a bit harder, it is a great opportunity to say, right, what have I got? And I, I did that for myself just recently. And that's why I, I knew about things like the, the swimming that I pay. I've got various subscriptions for different things. I also, I mean, I, I do a lot of charitable giving. And I guess for me, if if things were really tough personally, I could think, well, I could give that up to, to give us a bit more disposable income there. So it is really good. I, I do it not just for myself, but also do it for the business. I have a look every now and again, so right, what are we paying out? Do we need to be paying these things? We, we pay for a whole host of different research tools and stuff. And I'm always constantly saying to the advisors, like, are you still using this? Are you still using that? What are we paying out for? Do we need it? So it's it's re- really kind of sitting down and, and having a look at everything. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we always do this bit as well, Phil. You, you find inspiration, I know, through various folk you admire. You love a quote. What have we got in the subject of today's show? Reviewing your policies when you're outgoing sore. 
I don't know who who came away with this quote, but one one that I, I found was being in control of your finances is a great stress reliever. <laughs> That's it. The, the more you know about your finances and the more in control of it you are, the well, less stressed yeah. you are going to be. That's the the thing. That that is the thing as well. You're absolutely right there, Phil. Because you know what we're saying is, no matter the situation you're in, you can't just stick your head in the sand. You need to know the answer. What the you know the number is that you're working from, and from the moment you do that, you can move forward. But until that point, you're kind of stuck. Now, Phil is is really keen on trying to help you with your queries. Ordinarily, they're financial because that's the nature of the show. From time to time, we do get in questions which simply ask us about podcasting the show in general terms. But here we are. This one is about the finance side of things as well. So, Phil, I wanted to ask, how, when all these energy companies are declaring record profits, can our energy prices have to rise in winter by whatever it's going to be, 77%, 88%, it changes all the time? I don't understand it. Can you explain it for me, please? Yeah, it's pretty much all down to supply and demand and and on the what's called the, the global wholesale markets. In the UK, we have what's called the, the price cap. So that's the maximum that the, the energy companies can charge people. But that keeps going up because the, the global wholesale prices are, are going up. And they, they blame various factors. They'll try to say that because of the war between Russia and Ukraine, that that impacts things. But I, I know a lot of people are pretty hacked off just now because they're seeing energy companies making record profits yeah. and then their bills are, are soaring and, and their wages are not going up to, to reflect that. So it is tough times for, for many on that front just now. What, one thing I would say, I mean, you, I, I know people like Martin Lewis are saying, oh, don't pay your bills and, and stuff. But really, I, I would kind of say that's probably not so good advice. You, you really want to keep paying your bills if you can, because you don't want it to, to impact on your credit rating or you don't want to, to risk things like court action in the future. So it's, it's, it's tough times at, at the minute, but hopefully at some point, I mean, that, that's one thing you, you hope that whenever the, the new prime minister comes in, that they'll try and get a handle on things because if it keeps going the way it is, it's just going to be it's crazy as it is, to be honest. It's the top headline every morning, isn't it? That, that people are either earning less or paying more for, for, for whatever, whether it's yeah. inflationary or, or whether it's it's to do with energy. I actually got a, a fixed rate offer through from my energy provider the other day. Now, bearing in mind, I stay in, I stay in the, the countryside. So my gas is LPG. It's a tank that's in the garden. And this is specifically for electricity. So... The offer that I got was, so let's just say I pay £200 per month just now, okay? The offer I got was for either a year or a two-year period, and they were going to fix it at more than double what I pay monthly now. So you're looking at about 5K a year simply for yeah. electricity. Given given that that has been offered, I, I my fear, Phil, with this is, that you'll get maybe some vulnerable person or, or some some pensioner, for instance, who has the money and thinks, oh, this is going to be as good as it gets. I better yeah. get in and get up front now. You might get a PM that comes in and says, okay, we're going to we're going to sort something out. I don't think whatever they sort out will go as far as to try and rescind those contracts. And that person is going to end up paying the, the £5,000 over two years regardless. At the, in the moment, I'm sitting on my hands hoping that a PM does come in and do something. But, yeah. you know, you just you, you just don't know, do you? I mean, I'm not, I'm not setting up to anything at this point. I would imagine that would be your advice is just to, just to, to hold fast. I know for, for myself, I'm on a, a variable tariff at the minute. There hadn't been any options. I mean, I, I looked at it not that long ago 
and I hadn't been any options. I'd, I'd went on various comparison sites and it said, no, just stick away with, with what you've got. Yeah. But it is, it's the hardest part of it is that nobody knows. I mean, they, they think that it'll, prices will keep going up this year and probably into next, but nobody has any great certainty about anything. That's that's what makes it hard to give advice mm-hmm. on, on things like that. Mm-hmm. Next up, user from Charlie in Glenrother. He says, Phil, I'm self-employed and I got a little bit behind in paying my income tax for the year for the first time ever. It's purely down to the cost of living. I've entered into a repayment deal, but wonder what sort of impact this might have on my credit rating and whether it will affect me in future when I go and try and buy a house. It's unlikely that it'll show on your credit file unless you'd actually sort of defaulted or it's very unlikely that that, that would show on there. But what you might find, though, if, if you are looking to take out a mortgage at some point in the future, lenders, they may well ask for confirmation that your tax is up to date. Uh, Different okay. lenders may, may ask that. So what I would say is it's important to let your mortgage broker know what the position is so that they can take that into account when they're applying because different lenders will, will ask for, for different things. So good to be upfront about that with your, your mortgage broker when you're speaking to them. Good advice. And we just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered loads. <laughs> we've been doing this now for two years. We're on show 101 and we may well have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Jim Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 101 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Uh, Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. Please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.